Welcome to Hacked in the Dark, a podcast featuring Forge in the Dark games and their designers. Once again, I'm Justin. And I'm Mark. And we'll be your host for today's episode, Bubblegum and Blades with Slug Blaster. Today, we sit down with our guest, Mikey, to talk about Slug Blaster. Welcome, Mikey. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Mikey. I really like my time that I've spent with Slug Blaster, and I'm happy to have you on the show today. Uh, Mikey, do you want to tell us about how you got into game design? Sure. Well, like pretty much everyone, I you know started with the mandatory 10 to 15 years of D&D only. I've been playing D&D since I was 14, and it was my life in high school. And then once I got into my early 20s, I got you know sort of more interested in the music scene and the art scene. But the entire time, D&D was still just that bi-weekly constant in my life, but it wasn't really a big creative endeavor for me. And then once I sort of grew out of playing shows at 11 p.m. on a Wednesday night, I needed, I had a void, you know, <laughs> I had a creative <laughs> void. And that's when I started thinking back to how much I like playing with mechanics and stuff in, in games. And I that's when I started trying to make games and that led to seeing what else was out there, which led to, you know, the combination experience of validation, frustration, and inspiration that comes from realizing that all of your amazing mechanics ideas are pretty much standard indie RPG stuff um, at this point, because I'd missed out on all that. So it was really exciting to realize that how much had was already being done in the space. Yeah, and so for the last five years, I've been bathing myself in the indie RPG stuff. I guess we know what got you into Blades then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to say there's been a design innovation really going on with Blades lately. And, yeah. you know, that's been our jam. I'm super excited to have you on because there seems to be some really exciting innovations, you know. Uh, who introduced you to yeah. Blades in the Dark? I was running a D&D game with my group and they were all playing bad guys. And I thought it was going to be kind of just, um, <laughs> it, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, where you fight unicorns instead of dragons, right? Like that, I was going to sort of do an anti-hero thing, but they kept wanting to do these cons and these heists and all sorts of things that that D and D just wasn't able to support easily. And so I had already knew there was a bunch of awesome indie RPGs out there, and I was like, I just got to find a system that will support this. And that's when I found Blades, and I told them all to remake their characters in Blades, and I turned. The Forgotten Realm City of Yartar into Dusk Vault, just hacked that into that, and we played, continued our Forgotten Realms campaign with Blades in the Dark. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my experience with it, and it was while playing that that I was like, oh, this has a lot of cool things. I'd love to design in this. Sounds like you had a more successful bad guy campaign than a lot of folks have with d and <laughs> yeah. It seems like something that a lot of D&D you know, dungeon masters try and then kind of fail at yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah. I'm I'm really blessed to have a really mature group of players and we've all been playing together for a long time and we're all very much story gamers already even though we were using D&D most of the time and just until recently when we the last few years when we started branching out when you have a good group you can you can do things that wouldn't work with other groups right you can you can try those risky concepts that could easily go pear-shaped right speaking of risky concepts uh would you like to tell us about your game, Slug Blaster. What is Slug Blaster? Sure. Slug Blaster is a game about teenagers. You are teenage hoverboarders and you are sneaking out of your small town, your boring small town to go have adventures in the multiverse. So it's a lot of skate culture and it's sort of not necessarily sci-fi, but like laser fantasy. <laughs> 
And then at its heart, I think it's like a story about teenagehood. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I picked up on right away was how uh, iconic each of those playbooks felt. Mm. It seemed like you were highlighting a different aspect of teenagehood with each one. Does that sound kind of accurate? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the playbooks are based around, I call them attitude in the game, just because the word attitude really fits into that (laughs) genre well. But really what they are is they're, they're actually just like classic psychological strengths. Oh, I love that. We've seen a lot of media recently capitalizing on 80s nostalgia. Yeah. And like Spielbergian concepts of, of what an 80s childhood looks like. That's right. Slugblaster seems to be more of an early 90s <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah. What are the visual and like game inspirations for Slugblaster? For sure. Well, I'll say that the 90s thing is completely and almost unintentional because I encourage everyone who plays Slug Blaster to embrace the parts of their childhood, like the things from when they were a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, so I often tell people, you know, pick a song for the soundtrack that makes you feel like a rebellious teenager. And that's going to completely vary depending on the age of the gamer. This world is very anachronistic in that it, it, it should just be a blend of everything teenage. But yeah, but I can tell you, answer for you, my inspirations are... A lot of Nickelodeon, Men in Black is extremely influential. Those those alien scenes and the slime and the and the ray guns are very much coded into my DNA. Though so a lot of the big ray guns and exploding slime stuff is very Men in Black. And then I always say that when I first watched Adventure Time, I just mm. had this sigh of relief because I realized that my magnum opus... I didn't have to make it anymore because someone already had <laughs> because it's it is like <laughs> yeah. to me the perfect show that I think I would make at the time that's what I how I felt when I watched it so you know I like making things that are very sensory worlds with a lot of like color you know things that snap and sizzle and and you know ooze neon and you know just anything very sensory like that so I pulled from a lot of different sources for this and of course every teenage Hood movie I can get my hands on. I I love them. There's so many good ones coming out these days. Um, eighth Grade is probably one of my favorite movies. I also love it. Just all those bad teenage comedies too. You know, any coming of age story. Right, your Sandlot. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your Sandlot. Jonah Hill's movie mid '90s. I took a lot of inspiration from that because it's also skateboarding centric. But just the emotional arcs in that movie and the the drive of the the young protagonist is very much what I see Slugbuster characters being like, you know, like they do this as a form of identity, as a form of feeling competent in something, considering that the rest of their lives is everyone just telling them that they're not doing anything right. It's an act of expression, right? To break these rules and do things that are a bit dangerous and try to to get in with those friends that you look up to, you know, those pe- those cool kids that you look up to. So you'll do anything to impress them, right? Yeah. It feels like a cohesive thing to me for which there maybe isn't a complete name for. I want to say almost slime fiction or something <laughs> might might maybe kind of encapsulate some of that with yeah. Adventure Time. And most recently, I think one that kind of felt very slug blaster to me was the Midnight Gospel. Absolutely. On Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot when I saw the ribbon, that world he lives on. I Mm -hmm. was immediately like, oh, I should have done something like that. (laughs) It's so cool. You know, that just imagination that like contemporary Dr. Seussian creative 
workings. I love that kind of stuff, you know. So there aren't a lot of like really clear one-to-one touchstones for Slug Blaster. Mm -hmm. But if you combine a few things and squint, you see it, you know. Although it sounds like from talking to you even that probably if I was more well-versed in anime, I could probably find some better touchstones (laughs) over there because it sounds like... (laughs) That's right. It sounds like anime has been doing a lot of this stuff for years that just hasn't sort of worked its way over here yet. But I didn't... I don't... I'm not a huge anime buff yet, so... I'm just sort of, I'm a newbie with that stuff. But is that where the term bubblegum comes from? I've heard you use that a bit when describing Slug Blaster. No, no, no. I, I, I think I've used it because there is this pink aesthetic to some of this bombastic yeah. science fiction fantasy stuff sure. like like Adventure Time. Yes. That also kind of is shorthand for uh, a kind of more positive yeah. uh, bent on fiction, too. That's right. And so it kind of combines into this like poppy, positive fiction that is defined by, in my own eyes, uh, by this fantasy element and this fictional element that kind of has roots to me in early 90s, you know, skateboard ninjas kind of culture. Absolutely. But there's also there is a corollary in anime to some degree, if, if, if you're also like a weeb, I guess. <laughs> I guess I do. I have the dubious distinction, I suppose. <laughs> I should tell our audience of recommending Mikey some anime to watch. Oh, I, yeah. I don't What have you watched? Fooly Cooly. I'm still working on Fooly Cooly and it's all I need right now. It's everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that that kind of a thing also fits yeah, well into, for that, sure. into that fake genre that. Ew. Yes. I guess I've made up. I don't know. No, we'll I, I completely agree. I think you're you're putting your finger on it and i think it's maybe i see things that are very slug blaster ish everywhere now Mm -hmm. because i'm working on this and anything that looks like slug blaster is at once an assault on me and my originality but also sort of exciting that oh maybe maybe this i'm gonna get to see more things like what i like coming out right so i see the bubblings of that everywhere so it's either you know too niche to have a a genre name yet or or it's too early you know so but mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like that it'd be slug blaster-esque if anything follows that should ever <laughs> oh, yes. maybe it's slug let's do it yeah oh. that'd be great so yeah <laughs> <laughs> mikey do you want to tell us a little bit about slug blaster in terms of mechanics sure what makes slug blaster different from blades in the dark mechanic it's a smaller game Blades is a very rich and and I'd say slower paced game. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. It, it has to be. Those are the trade-offs, right? It's very rich. And I just knew that that wasn't quite the right fit and tone for the kind of fast-paced hoverboard action I wanted in Slug Blaster. Before I did game design, I, I've done a lot of writing and video editing and things that involve a lot of editing. And I think the one, one skill I've learned pretty well is to be pretty ruthless with the red pen on myself like i'm pretty ruthless when it comes to chopping things down especially my own work (laughs) i'm sort of not content with anything i make unless i feel like it's the smallest version of that thing and so i think with blades i ended up just sort of hacking away anything that i thought might be a distraction even even rules i love and even things i i didn't want to get rid of if I felt like they didn't support the main like three or four slug blaster beats, then I thought about taking them out because I know people will always add, you know, people will always do more if they feel like the story needs it, but I want to clear the path for them to get to 
the moments that I think are important to a slug blaster story so that they can get there if they need to. And if they want to go off from there, that's awesome. Right. So that's over overall what slug blaster is. It's, it's a, it's one of many cool lighter blades hacks that are, that are starting to come out. It's just, it's one, it's my attempt at, at a lighter version. So I can get into specifics too, if you want, but, but that's the overall. <laughs> I'm tempted to say it's light in all the right ways, though. It seems to be really aiming at a, a focused thing, you know, the important moments, uh, story beats that you don't want to slow down for other things. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I'm curious about what are one of those things that were hard for you to take out that you mentioned. Devil's Bargains. I love them. That is 101 fun mechanic for me. In any other game I pick, if there's something that says like push your luck or Devil's Bargain, I'm taking that character class. For sure. And Devil's Bargains aren't necessarily out of Slug Blaster, but I sort of tucked them away and folded them into other rules. And it's, again, just because I wanted to minimize the amount of just options and things that people had on their page, especially for the, the one-shot version. And because I just found the more things that are on there, the more people got overwhelmed and they kind of were distracted from the important moves in Slug Blaster chiefly the look cool move which is sort of the the bread and butter of slug blaster where you do something but you're you're trying to do it in a cool way so you're not just jumping over the chasm you're doing a nose grab when you do it right and which earns you a style point which is the chief currency in the game right so i just wanted to shrink everything down so that that look cool move that everyone has people can remember like, oh, yeah, there's like two rules to the game. There's like you, you how to do stuff and how to do stuff cool. That's kind of like the way I wanted to get it, you know, so that it never got lost. Any extra rule that I could turn into a playbook ability or fold into another rule in some way, I, I tried to do that just to keep the amount of options narrower. What I think is really exciting about this is what the potential is for young players to pick this one up yeah. and play in a, an instant, you know, with a, a, a fairly reason, uh, someone who could come up with a crazy story off the top of their head or just reenact a cartoon they like. Yeah, for sure. I, I would, I'd love that. I, I haven't played with young people yet, which is like the big glaring problem so far for me, <laughs> yeah, but I have that lined up on my, well, I'm going to play with my friend's kids um, coming up soon. I'm, I'm really excited about that because they're actual teenagers and I've consulted with them already um, a few times for for things on the game, but they haven't actually gotten a chance to play test it yet. What's really cool about playing the differences is the game is completely different. I'm going to go on a limb to say that a lot of it, it's almost a completely different experience because based on just talking to one of these teens that um, I'm going to be playing with, I was talking to him about the game and he was like saying like, yeah, I can't It'll be so fun. Can't wait to get my ray guns, get my boys and, and go riding around Bastiche in our in our Jeep. And I had this moment <laughs> where I was like, Jeep, why would you have a Jeep? Like, don't you, you'd have like you should have like a hoverboard or a bike or something, I thought. But I realized <laughs> the difference is, yeah, like adults, when we want to play, we play games with teenagers as a form. The fantasy is that back to a simpler or maybe not simpler, but back to a, t a, a more nostalgic time where we didn't have cars that needed oil changes and stuff like that. But to him, he was he was 13 or 14 at the time. You know, to him, he's think when he thinks play a teenager, he's probably thinking like 
someone, you know, 17. <laughs> and so to him, yeah. the fantasy is to be able to drive around in a buddy's car. And that's just teenagehood 101. A car represents freedom. And it was, it was really cool. So, but there are so many great games out there. And I just think anytime you can get someone to play your game, it's a blessing and also a miracle because there's just so much out there. And when you think of like a campaign, someone playing a campaign of your game, you're talking about like 20 hours for a group of people to spend 20 hours playing something you made is that's a lot to ask for. And it happens and you should be grateful for it when it happens. But I just constantly kept thinking, like looking at my stack of awesome indie games on my shelf and in my folder on my computer and just thinking like, man, I'll be lucky if I play half of these before I die. And so I just had this thought of like, I got to make this game smaller and smaller and smaller and try to get mm-hmm. this experience into into three games, you know, into into one game. That's why I made Slug Blaster Turbo to try to do that as much as I can. And I, I don't think Turbo gives the full experience because it doesn't give that more somber home life element. It doesn't dig into those downtime actions that, you know, you're so you're not going to have that fight with your parents quite as easily in a in a one shot but it gets the rest of it yes and that was you know that's what i'm hoping for i keep thinking like after i'm done this i might only make one shots because they're fun to make and it's just it seems just more likely that you'll get people playing them i don't know and i and that's not a a dour cynical statement at all i i I just there's just so many cool games out there (laughs) i think like people should try to make smaller games if they can they can be really f- cool and fun and you can get a whole audience playing them that you might not be able to otherwise right but there's trade-offs to that too you know if you have a big long-term game that is just your passion you should by all means make it because there'll be some other people who feel the same way too and that you know that'll be awesome mikey you mentioned your the at home stuff the downtime yeah uh sequence for the full game would you like to talk about what that is what's the tension between that and the rest of the game it's funny jason was talking about this with sig about this sort of he loves that contrast of this sort of fantastical and mundane and slug blaster has that too that's the exact juxtaposition that i find interesting you know it's so i want it to be you know the action stuff is crazy and weird and you know you you have devices that can you know you can fire an alternate version of yourself at a monster you can you know you can stop time you can do all this crazy stuff with these circuit bent ray guns that you made but when you go home none of that matters when you go home you you're going to deal with the exact same problems that normal our world teenagers deal with you know your reality canon can't change the fact that your dad is disappointed in your decisions and that's trying kind of the tone i'm trying to get across you know like the loop of slug blaster which is the first thing I knew I'd have to change from Blades because Blades has this famous and awesome gameplay loop um, of, you know, you're these these scoundrels who have these vices to deal with the stress of this job that you need to get the money to pay for your vices. You know, that kind of like really bleak, but still sort of badass loop. I knew that any story about teenagers and young people Almost every story is different because the adventures they go on, they don't need to be going on. They're doing them because they want to, not because they have to. And so I knew that loop would be different. So 
Now the loop is more, you go on these adventures, you accumulate style points and trouble points over that adventure, and when you come back home, you then spend those trouble points and style points to unlock different home life scenes. You know, So you could spend style to unlock getting someone invites you to a big party, or a sponsor tells you that they want to make a shoe with your name on it, or you can spend style to basically level up to get special abilities and and stuff like that and then trouble points you have to you, you spend those on 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 hard scenes you know you spend those on scenes where you know your dad finds your hoverboard under your bed that you've been hiding or you know someone breaks up with you or you have a big fight with your crew and it's nice because of the way blades works and and thus this game works those downtime scenes work in a different mechanical space than the rest of the game so that actually helped solve one of my problems, which is I didn't want people trying to solve these emotional problems with their high-tech devices. So by framing it differently with in using sort of different mechanics in that time, I kind of step around that problem a lot of the time. I think there's only been a couple times where people even mention their high-tech devices during those scenes. People tend to get it. Now, Again, maybe I've been blessed to play with really mature players this entire time, but I think there's just a truth in to that teenage experience that people know. Like, if there's just, everyone just knows how that feels. They've either watched enough movies or they had those experiences during their own life enough to know how to play how those play out, right? I think this might be a good time to transition to our topic based on what we were just talking about. Sure. You mentioned how. You wanted to bring all of this color into the Blades universe. And I kind of want to talk about how, you know, Slugbuster is kind of a pop of color in a system like Blades, which is centered around a very grim, dark world. It's a little ed- like Blades is kind of unapologetically edgy in a certain sense. It's, it's a little goth. And a lot of hacks of Blades have kind of followed suit in that in terms of whether or not they retain that feeling or whether they go the more like violent metal route of things. Does this more poppy feel, does that resonate with you more? Did you want to specifically bring that into Blades? And and if so, have you seen other people doing something in this realm of, of a more colorful Blades? Well, I'm very omnivorous with this stuff. Mm-hmm. If a game or a story has a distinct vision or aesthetic, I'll eat it up, grim or colorful or not. But I think this colorful, lighter stuff is definitely something I really, really like and I'm drawn to, you know, I love Gonzo action. You know, I love anything with like striking visual moments. And like I said, I'm sort of about anything about teenagehood fascinates me. So, cause I never was one. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) but in a few years, cause you know, I I was born at 90 and now I'm aging backwards, Uh but, (laughs) but I, uh, I like it all. I, I think the big hurdle and hopefully people maybe like myself and others are starting to find ways to sort of break this down. But I think the big hurdle and why Blades attracts so many sort of more serious or, or yeah, grim settings, awesome ones, is because is, is my guess is that core stress, trauma, vice loop. Yeah. It's so perfect. It's so good at telling those stories and instantly any setting you think of, you can color that in perfectly within that system. It, it's just so good. But because I hadn't realized that yet when I started hacking blades and hadn't realized how core that was, 
I sort of just went in completely naive thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> my game has crews. This will be perfect. Like this has crews. I have crews. I'm not realizing how very different the game was until I was sort of, you know, already in there. By breaking that loop and replacing it with something else, that opened up a lot of things. And, you know, I think there are a lot of other hacks that could fit in really well once you break that, you know, you can open up that space. But you have to get that death spiral um, out or you have to really reskin it, right? And then speaking of death, in Slug Blaster, you can't die. So <laughs> that that helps too. <laughs> it's not that, like, I think Slug Blaster stories could be told that involve these characters dying. Serious things like that happen all the time in this kind of fiction. I mean, I'm thinking of Big Hero 6, which is another big Slug Blaster touchstone. In fact, you can build the Big Hero 6 crew almost perfectly with the Slug Blaster mechanics. Like, the main characters map onto the different playbooks really well. And in that, you know, Hero's brother dies. And that's a huge part of the story. But I just couldn't. It was really hard for me to imagine a Slug Blaster story, like, campaign working well if you had to go to a friend's funeral <laughs> and then just go on another run. Like maybe I was thinking to inside the box, but and I'm sure there will be lots of tables who will who will experiment with those darker things and have death happen when it feels like it should in the story. And and they should. That's what they should do. But I just didn't want it to be something that could accidentally happen or that the mechanics push to happen even regularly. It just doesn't really fit the tone. The devastation should be with your family or with a falling out with you between friends, right? That should be the dark moment of a Slug Blaster story is, is you and your friends having a huge fight or getting sent away to youth camp. Yeah, I think at the maybe the end of the season kind of thing, right? Yeah, or, totally. Or right at the beginning. <laughs> in, <laughs> like the whole world ends and then everything resets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it needs to be maybe like an NPC or, or something. I don't know. Like it could be in a way that defines your character. If you want to play a teenager who's who's dealing with grief by doing this dangerous hobby, that's something. But, you know... It kind of just flattens the tone for me, but but hey, I never say never. I, I think it can definitely happen. I, I don't think anyone should be shy about trying to introduce darker themes into Slug Blaster if they feel like they fit. I've actually had X cards tapped more often playing Slug Blaster than any like Cthulhu game just because of how real a lot of these issues are to people. Like People have had some really rough childhoods right, and really rough teenage years. Mm -hmm. And I think those things are really good to explore, but not everyone is going to feel that way. And they should be allowed to not explore those feelings, if, especially with someone they don't know or, you know, someone who's just going to make jokes. Right. Yeah. So I encourage safe play with with this stuff. But I also encourage if everyone's comfortable, you know, go there, like try to <laughs> this is a good time to to explore some of the things you missed out on as a teenager or that were hard for you. And now you want to try to process them in a new way or or, you know, reimagine them. I know for me, I, I really do feel like I missed a lot of my, of the typical teenage experience because I was raised in a really religious household. And so I never, you know, I didn't party or, or anything like that till I was out of high school. I was just, you know, a, a really good kid playing with Lego and playing D&D. D&D was the big thing. Like <laughs> my mom found my PHB and made me burn it in a fire pit. So that was my main, wow. that's my main act of, rebellion was playing that and even and my mom is despite being raised in a very conservative christian home herself my mom is actually a super awesome person and very open-minded all things considered so you know even that a year later she was like 
like playing with me and like all that stuff because once she understood what it actually was right so awesome i don't know i think that's why i'm i'm into the teenage stuff I, for me it's a lot of it's recapturing some of that and and that i'm not ashamed to admit that and i hope i know there's lots of other people who feel that same way especially in the yeah. in the nerd space i think there's a lot of people who never felt like the cool kids and this is your chance to be one of them or to try to be or you know or to fire stun rays at the cool kids or whatever you want to do so i know amazingly designed game but monster hearts you know attacks that same kind of yeah teenage fiction and i have such a hard time playing that game sometimes it's too, just too real yeah it's too way too real for me oh yeah you've mentioned you know slug blaster has been in playtest for a little while and you've done a, i know that you've done a lot of iteration through playtesting which yeah seems like it's it's too worked much. out pretty well for you <laughs> It's worked out well for the game. I don't know if it's worked out well for me, but. (laughs) Do you have any advice for folks who are trying to develop something that is more poppy for Blades in the Dark, a setting or or a game that's more poppy? My advice for game design in general is just to go way smaller than you think you should at the beginning. Like, Mm -hmm. I know for me, maybe this is just me, but I, I see this a lot with game designers and their first game is just way too ambitious and they just get stuck in it designing it for years and that's that's what happened to me and and i think you you can still learn a lot but i just really wish i had made like 41 page games instead of slug blaster first because i think (laughs) i I think i would have learned a lot more and and been a lot more emotionally content as well i honestly i think people should play test right away when they have the concept like don't worry at all but you need to find people that that want to just try stuff with you and that you don't feel like you need to convince them. Right. But you can, you can play test, just grab blades right off the shelf and just be like, Hey, let's just try and see what happens and just muddle through it. And I think you'll discover the game way quicker that way. That first play test will teach you everything. It'll be amazing. Slug Blaster had nothing to do with being cool or going viral or sponsorship or all that stuff that I think a lot of people would consider almost core to Slug Blaster now. It was just a game about teenagers with ray guns when I first started. Mm-hmm. And the very first 15 minutes of the playtest, they get to another world. They go through a portal and I ask what they do. And one of them's like, I take out my phone and I take a selfie. And that <laughs> blew my mind. I, I just hadn't let like normal teenage behavior into the game yet. And all of a sudden I was like, of course why else would you go to another to another world if not to take a picture of yourself there? And from there, everything else spooled out. All of the skateboarding culture stuff, all the Instagram culture, all that. So it's like pictures or it didn't happen, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, that that's my that's my general advice is just make something really small. Like l- literally like pound out an idea in a in a one page Google Doc and print it off and grab your friends and just try it and go from there, you know. And I would encourage people, if they can, build in as many exits to your project as you can so that if you get tired of it, you can have something done, right? Like, so start with a one-page version of the game, then make a, an eight-page zine, you know? Then And I think you, you're really good at this, Justin. Like, I was inspired to see the way you've done that with Mothlight on, on Itch and releasing it because that is something I, I am not good at that, at putting something out there that I don't feel is ready, but... 
I know that that's the key. <laughs> I know that like that mm-hmm. that's something I want to be able to do because that's really cool. And then as for making something light, I mean, I'd say do a content analysis of the movies or shows in the genre you want and just look at like analyze it for those beats or a fun thing to do for game design is look and and just keep track of how the characters are dealing with problems the problems that are coming up because a lot of times it's not in the way that fits on a normal skill list in movies and stuff so that's one of the reasons slug blaster doesn't use an action rating list because those work so good for sort of team games like specialists or like mission impossible that kind of thing but in a lot of these like movies about kids doing stuff they're just bumbling their way through everything doing all sorts of haphazard actions that don't really fall into into nice skill categories. And so like, that's the kind of thing I learned just doing sort of like a, a rough content analysis of that stuff. And it, it's really fun to do too. You just could be a huge nerd. You sit there watching a movie with a pad of paper, making ticks under things. So it's really cool. <laughs> Mark, I'm curious, what kind of poppy fun genres or fiction would you like to see put into a Blades game? I'm interested in if Mikey has any other ideas as well. I know that the next game to be published by Evil Hat is Girl by Moonlight, which is a magical girl game. So that kind of fits into this conversation a little bit, too. But what what, what kind of cartoons or, or media that have a more positive kind of feel to them than the standard Blades hack would you like to see translated? I'm tempted to say what I'm working on now, which is uh, Shaojo and uh, Shonen. So like Dragon Ball Z, but also Sailor Moon. Right, that kind of stuff. Honestly, Naruto would be like perfect. Yeah, and Naruto. Like for Blade. Like almost as is <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. yeah. So one of the games that I always wanted to see too was something that had like a Matt Groening kind of feel. And I feel like Slug Blaster is getting there for me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, reset the episode after something goes crazy, catastrophic, and it, suddenly everybody's still in their living room the next <laughs> episode, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff really uh, gets my creative juices going, you know, to have something like that. And I felt like the GM tools that you gave, they really narrowed the focus to like a laser pointer like right yeah. at the thing right you know for headshots maximum headshots <laughs> it was it was great um i think the the gm tools might be one of the biggest takeaways that i see that could really assist a game to start because that i think is usually the problem is like somebody's like i don't i have some ideas i don't know if they're like good but they see these charts that are just like everything's great and it's all like wild whatever came to mind basically yeah that made sense at the time you know and um was a dream you know yeah charts are awesome because even if people don't roll on them they're just first of all they're as fun to read as they are to write Mm -hmm. and you're exactly right you can as a designer with 36 words on a on a little chart you can completely define the experience of that thing you're making a chart for everyone right and it's it's so easy to do and so fun to make too so I'm going to have a bunch of wild charts. I just made a slime chart, just different kinds of slime <laughs> and different. And I and I have a laser beam chart, which is different colors and yes. textures of laser beam. Like these are silly things, but I they're fun to make and they're fun to read. And and they inform the fiction. Right. Or at least, you know, they get people on board to, to for the idea, for that kind of aesthetic, I guess. Right. Mikey, uh, if people were to hack your game into adjacent media properties, what would you like to see? Yes, I think. I have a hack idea that I really want someone to make. I don't think I can make it because I'm just not an expert enough in the field. I want someone to make a horse girls hack. (laughs) 
<laughs> my daughter loves this show. It's the Spirit TV show on Netflix. Uh-huh. And it's oh, just yeah. these three girls and they each have a horse and they live in the Wild West and they go on these adventures. And it could be a one to one slug blaster hack <laughs> where you have you still use the same playbooks. Uh-huh. But then instead of a signature device, you have your horse. And this is what I think someone should do. And seriously, if you're out there and you know, even if you even know 10 percent more about horses than I do, I will team up with you and make this. And I'm not kidding because <laughs> the signature device would be a coloring sheet of a horse. And so you color mm-hmm. in the horse and it has a couple special abilities and new sort of tricks it can do that you can unlock as you teach it, you know, that kind of stuff. And you could go fantasy horse girls if you want. You can make them Pegasus and, and that kind of thing. But but, you know, either way, I think that would be a great, perfect slug blaster hack because they're the kids are going on the adventures for the same reason, just for the thrill of the adventure. Right. And they're getting in trouble with their families when they get home and that all that's that kind of stuff. So that'd be good. And then the next game in this sort of space that I want to make, and I've already sort of started on this. I'm hoping that, yeah, make it one day is I want to make a game based on like the stoner teen adventure quest kind of thing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. basically like super bad, the game. So you, you, it'd be for two to three players only. And it's a one shot. You go on this quest because those movies are structured just like quests, but you know, instead of, cyclops and dragons it's a lot of humiliation and temptation in your way so so it'd be dealing with you know you have to navigate those awkward social horror situations right and gross out comedy so i would love that i love those movies are absolutely my guilty pleasure again because i wasn't allowed to watch any of them when i was a kid so now i'm like catching up on all that and I've done a content analysis for school on them and <laughs> everything. So I think they'd be a, I think that would be a really fun game to make. So I'm hoping to make that after slug blaster, but we'll see. We'll see if slug blaster just chews me up, spits me out. But <laughs> I was honestly thinking this whole time, ever since I've played slug blaster that like, you know, it's so adjacent to stoner fiction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Including stuff like Scooby-Doo, you know, and stuff inspired by stoner fiction. Yeah, 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 totally. Stuff that's a little cartoonier than, even slug blaster but yeah for sure but yeah it's just so close to you know bill and ted or something like that yep. that just with a little modification you could do something oh yeah yeah it'd be good the problem with those is that more than half the time they're not taking actions they're resisting something bad and the problem is that resisting is this is like a, a holy grail of design that i i've been working with some of the guys on the discord channel but was like how, how do you make resisting as satisfying as doing something right and it's it's a hard thing to do but i think blades actually starts doing the right things by making it sort of a more active thing where you just say no you describe how you resist it then there's a trade-off you're you're choosing to take on a different bad thing right instead of like the mm-hmm. way D does it where it's just okay i'll see if i See if I dodge and roll, right? So so I've got a few lightning questions for you. Before we uh, zoom out, I want to kind of hit you up here and get your uh, official yeah. answer. Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite color slime? <laughs> right now, I'm really into um, purple, but like milky white purple slime. So like an opaque, you know, like a, like yogurt, mm. purple grape yogurt. Yeah, take a grape yogurt tube. That's the, that's the color today. Lavender. Yeah, lavender, yo- mm. lavender slime today. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. So my mouth is watering. Uh, favorite playbook. The others won't hear this podcast. Don't worry. Oh, my favorite play. It will always be the chill playbook because it's the farthest from who I am in reality. But I would love to be chill. But I, <laughs> I am medically not. 
So <laughs> appropriate question now then would be what's your favorite pizza topping? Cheese. Give me give me that plain cheese. <laughs> oh, that's a cheat. Well, what pizza doesn't have cheese? OK, then the pepperoni then. Give me the classics, though. So <laughs> extra cheese, pepperoni. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite reference in a slug blaster? I talk about so I usually use fake like sort of alternate earth brand names, but I have one joke that I left a real brand name in because it just didn't work any other way. And I just love it. It's just where I talk about I'm sort of talking in this sort of like sarcastic tone where I'm like, yeah, most of the time, I know, I know, you think most of the time Slug Blasters just laser surf around all day sucking on the Red Bull popsicles. But, you know, sometimes, right? And and I just, I love, I don't know, I just love that phrasing. And it's one of those jokes that I've reintroduced into the rules. And, and even despite many iterations, it always ends up back in there, so... <laughs> well, you answered a two for one there on that one. Oh, the yeah. next question was going to be your favorite, like, go-to drink to wake up. But it seems oh. for it, the, it's the third option, which is not coffee or tea. It's just a uh, sugared-up goo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no coffee or tea for me. I, uh, I can't drink any caffeine. Otherwise, I get very, very bad anxiety. So if I have a decaf coffee, it might, it might ruin my day even. So, and I know it will ruin everyone else's day for other reasons too. But there's a reason that the energy drink in Slug Blaster is called Panic because uh, <laughs> it's from personal experience. So. Yeah, that's the sugared up go juice that I was going to yeah. point to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What's the best reason then you think to try Slug Blaster? If you want to have fun doing crazy things and having lots of like really iconic cinematic moments happen, you know, a lot of things that you'd want to freeze frame and make a poster of and paint on the side of a van, then you should play Slug Blaster because you'll have a good time. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Mikey. Hey, no problem. Thank you for joining us and for all your insights into Slug Blaster. I know you have a Kickstarter going. That's right. Do you want to tell people anything else about the Kickstarter before we go out? I would just just love, love, love 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 it for for lots of people to play this game and it's been so encouraging seeing anytime i get to get to hear an actual play or or watch someone play the game it's just so cool to see people take something you made and made and then just take it in a direction you never could have dreamed of and so i would love people to check out the kickstarter and back it as soon as you back it you get slug blaster turbo right away so you can start playing some slug blaster one shots right away and then hopefully that whets your appetite for a, a longer mini campaign down the road but yeah i would, I would uh, yeah just thank you to anyone who decides to back yeah it's one of the best one shot packs i've seen as well i can't get away from how uh, just appealing it is when you look at it you know you just want to flip through and see the other page now it's like because the first image is just just grabs you um i think i think you have to say something for your artist yeah thanks scott for yeah he's he's the artist i i do the layout he's doing all the illustrations and he's so awesome so yeah right now he he, he he's giving me one awesome piece and then if the slug blaster kickstarter um happens there'll be more of his stuff in the book which i'm really excited to see it so lovely yeah we'll have a link to your kickstarter in our show notes yeah. do you have anything else you'd like to plug before we go out today no i just hope everyone would be very very kind to each other in the next couple months i know everyone everywhere is feeling really tense and uncomfortable and miserable and so anything you can do to try to be kind to someone, especially someone that you don't agree with. Take a step towards 
reconciliation, as hard as it is. I just think that's really important because we can get out of this spot that we're in. But Aww. it's going to take a lot of people doing a lot of hard work. I think that hit us all in the feels a little bit there. But I'm really more excited now than ever to find out more about what you do next. Thanks so much. Sam, I'm really excited to see your next one-shot game. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we can just get in on that, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're at it, you, maybe you could tell us about like whatever crazy stretch goal you were thinking about mentioning, but you decided not to. Oh, yeah. Oh, for the Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, stretch goals are going to be mostly art, but I do have one that's going to be called the Book of Slime, which will be like a little zine-sized supplement that just provides more organic signature devices and powers and and mm-hmm. monsters and stuff like that. And I have a, f- a few special, exciting guest writers lined up to do content. They're each going to write their own demiplane for Ooh. the book. So I know, um, yeah, I have, I have a couple cool special secret guests lined up so that'll be exciting to unveil that can we call one of them the quantum centipede you can absolutely call one of them the quantum centipede. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we can kick flip right over it well i can tell you that one of the one of them will be grant howitt because his company has been Ooh. helping me with the kickstarter they've been consulting with me and helping me sort of you know navigate the anxiety producing madness of kickstarter so grant has agreed to be one of the guests on the stretch goal so and he's you know he's my hero so i'm really excited about that you can all head on over to the kickstarter to check all those stretch goals out thank you again mikey mark as we wind down and move closer to our outro do you have anything you would like to plug i would just point to the uh hacked in the dark channel uh you know is adding a show Mm -hmm. pretty soon i'll be participating in so i just want to plug the channel there to say that that should be out by the time this is out you'll get to see uh later sometime i'll gm probably as well and i would be a little remiss if i didn't plug markcleveland.itch.io that's where i'm working on a magical youth game it's something kind of following in the footsteps here of this. Yeah. But now I'm looking forward to seeing what I can cook up after uh, after playing me some Slug Blaster. I'm excited to see that as well. As for myself, I also would like to draw people's attention to the to the channel and to the our YouTube channel specifically, where you should be able to catch the end of our Virgins series. Ooh, yeah. By the time you're hearing this, that will have been wrapped up, and I'm curious what we're on to next. Other than that, I've been doing some exciting updates to Mothlight recently. I've just released two new packs, which are kind of like crew sheets. One is about a playtest pact uh, where you're, you're scavengers on a desolate world, kind of trying to survive. And it's like the Martian meets Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind or, or what have you. And the other is Jammers, which is a roller derby pact. <laughs> but in the future. Sick. It's yeah. future roller derby. <laughs> I know a much explored genre, um, (laughs) but I I hope people will like it. It's got themes of community as well as like action. So there you are. Check it out. Awesome. This has been a great episode of Hacked in the Dark, a podcast featuring Forge in the Dark Games and their designers. Again, I'm Justin. And I was Mark. And remember, when it comes to design, we all begin our journeys as Hacks in the Dark. (laughs) 